Hello and welcome to episode 287 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast of Many Topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and we are halfway into one of my new favorite months of the year, Dragon Quest Month. Uh, I love Dragon Quest, and I brought four other lovers of Dragon Quest here today to talk about Dragon Quest IV, Chapters of the Chosen, which, uh, being a 1990 NES game, makes this the second oldest game we've had a dedicated episode for on the podcast. I mean, let's introduce those who are dedicating themselves to that game today, starting with Wes Eilith. Hello, hello. Also joining Wes and I, Zach Wilkerson. Hi there. And Alana Hagues. Hello. And Audra Bowling. Hi. We have a full house with uh, three jacks and two queens, and there was there was some kings and queens, and maybe even some jacks that, that we were dealing with in the early stages of Dragon Quest IV. Um, we now Dragon Quest IV is divided up into five chapters. Listeners, maybe the chapters of the chosen subtitle clued you into that. Uh, and chapter five is maybe more than half of the game. So we're going to spend this episode. Um, talking about the, uh, the the very diverse cast of the first four chapters and then sort of set up chapter five for the next episode. Uh, before we get into the specifics of that, um, you told me before recording, uh, Alana and Audra, this is the first play of Dragon Quest for Dragon Quest Four for each of you. So uh, what are your early impressions? Uh, starting with you, Alana. Ah, it's pretty good. I mean, I don't really have a huge storied history with the series in general, but... Um... Like, I've known them to be fairly, fairly traditional. Um, Dragon Quest IV feels very different to anything I've played from that era in particular because of the way it's spread out. So you've already said, like, Chapter Five is most of the game, and I'm assuming that's where, like, the traditional Dragon Quest starts. But, like, the way the four chapters split between, like, four different groups of characters is really, really fascinating. And not only does it, like, change up or teach you how to play an RPG um, specifically, but, like, it also gives you many different flavors like you know three of them are mostly combat based but one of them you're running a shop one of them you're escaping from somewhere one of them you're just being this tomboy like princess doing her own thing and then the first one's like just teaching you the basics of an rpg so um yeah i'm really surprised considering this is a, a 1990 rpg on the nes so it's very cool so far yeah, Dragon Quest IV, unusually forward-thinking for its era. I have a feeling that will come up again in the course of these two podcast episodes. But Audra, um, what are your early impressions of Dragon Quest IV, at, at least through the first half? I really enjoy it. I'm, it's actually my third Dragon Quest game that I've ever played, so I haven't, I don't have that much exposure to the series. Okay, well, what are those other two? Like, how much of the, how much Dragon Quest have you Dragon Quested before? Dragon <laughs> Quest Nine and Dragon Quest Eleven S. All right, maybe not the two I would have guessed, but that's, that's still pretty cool. Um, and but I mean, you were playing Dragon Quest from three different decades there, because yeah. if, if my math is right, that's two thousand nine, two thousand twenty seventeen, and now nineteen ninety. So you're 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 all over the map. <laughs> yeah, I've, I'm not sure which one I'll try next. Although I think I might just go to Dragon Quest Five just to see how it. Good choice. Dragon Five Quest... is an excellent choice. Yeah, excellent. yeah uh, that's mutual agreement here, especially since we have uh, two episodes on Dragon Quest V recorded uh, some years ago. Mm-hmm. But let, let's stick to 2021 for now. Um, uh, Alana, we didn't really go into it uh, for you. Uh, how much Dragon Quest have you played? Uh, so I've also played 9 and 11, but I've also played 8 and 5. So this is my fifth Dragon Quest. I've played Builders 2 and Heroes as well, the very first like Luzo Dragon Quest Warriors game. Um and I really like that, but yeah, like in general, um, unfortunately, living in the UK, um, it's a typical repeated problem over here. Uh, <laughs> Dragon Quest never made it here until Dragon Quest Eight, so wow. we had to wait until the PS2 era to even get a single game in this series. And oh, wow. now they're all available because the DS releases came over here, and obviously all the mobile versions of One, Two, and Three, and the Switch versions of One, Two, and Three are all over here. So it's not for lack of accessibility anymore. Um, it's just simply time that I haven't really got around to them. So, yeah. Right on. And uh, I guess I'll go next. Um, I, I am very much against RPG uh, like and video game elite, elitism and gatekeeping, so I, I don't want that to take this tone. But I've played basically all of them. Uh, <laughs> like I, I've played all of Dragon Quest 1 through 11, other than 10. Uh, multiple versions for a couple of those. 
Uh, and I've played not all the spin-offs, but a couple of the Monsters games, um, uh, Dragon Quest Rocket Slime for the DS, which is a, a, a weird, fun, underrated gem. And I, I owned the, the, both of the Dragon Quest Heroes games, both of the, the Musou games on PS4, but um, haven't, didn't finish either of them. And that's definitely not for a lack of love of Dragon Quest and more of a, uh, of a disdain for Musou on, on, my, on my part. <laughs> I've tried. I've tried several of them, and I'm like, man, people really love the, you know, quashing the Yellow Turban Rebellion, uh, like twice a year for thirty years, or the, which is that's which is an exaggeration. But uh, but please don't ask me to fact check my uh, my, di- my Dynasty <laughs> Warriors Dynasty release, Warriors. <laughs> releases. Oh, this is why I'm here. It's fine. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Well, I think one of my friend Eric has maybe four shelves of PS2, 3, 4, and 5 games, and in, and one entire shelf is just Dynasty Warriors and Samurai Warriors. Oh, wow. He's, I think he's, everyone, everyone's got a Musou friend, have yeah. they not? Oh, yeah, yeah everyone's, everyone's got a <laughs> Musou friend, and, and I... And, and mine, mine is Wes. Yeah, look to your left, look to your right. If you don't have a Musou friend, you are the Musou friend. As long as you're just waiting, and no, wait, you've got Eric, never mind. Yeah, no, no, I, I got a Musou friend, and I know, I know where he lives. Uh, if, if I want to go over there and say, and like, oh, how many, uh, how many spears does Yukimura Sanada have in this one? He'll be able to give me the number. Like, um, but that's a that's Sengoku Muso and not Sangoku Muso. Uh, but we're now we're going to go to Wes Isle of Muso. Uh, Wes, how what's your background with Dragon Quest and maybe four in particular? Uh, yeah, I've I've it's been a part of my life basically as long as I can remember. Dragon Quest One is how I learned how to read, so I've I've <laughs> been around for a while. Um, played, I think all of them except three potentially on uh, on the NES. Uh, and Dragon Warrior 4 was like my favorite game ever since the time I played it, and that has not dulled much over time. Um, played most of the spinoffs as they've come out, or as I found them, there are a handful um, that have been released in America that I just never quite got my hands on. College years, always a little short on cash. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I've, I've, I've been in there for a while. All right, and Zach, uh, what Dragon Quest have you played, and maybe when did you first encounter 4? So my first Dragon Quest or Dragon Warrior game was Dragon Warrior 1. Uh, I'm not sure that it taught me how to read, although, Wes, that's impressive, because Dragon Warrior 1 uses a very particular style of English on the NES. Um, But I didn't beat it. My first first ever clear by by myself RPG was Dragon Warrior 2. Um, which again, it's it's all downhill from there. Once you beat that one, it's 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 so much easier. But um, the first time I, I went on vacation with my cousin at some point and saw him beat Dragon Warrior Four, and like I beat Dragon Warrior Four on the NES, and th- then I've beaten uh, Dragon Warrior Four on the DS once, and this is my fourth time through. But I'm a huge Dragon Quest fan. Um, the only ones I haven't played. I played a little bit of nine, but like I got into the game a little late on that one, and you know, at this yeah. point, like there's not a lot there. Uh, nine the without there the, used to be. Yeah, nine without the online features is a bit of a tough sell. If, if there's any, if there's anyone that deserves to be remade with, uh, oh. with mm-hmm. to, to be a bit more feature complete, it's nine. I'd be all over that, and obviously I haven't played ten, but I, I've played the rest of the mainline games. I have not played any of the side games not the monsters games none of those but in terms of mainline i adore dragon quest or dragon warrior um and have since i was four years old uh, so we're talking 31 years now I've, I've loved dragon quest oh and geez you know what I, I i think i didn't really mention how i got into dragon quest just just that i've played most of them or, or many of them um so i'll get into it a little bit i mean my uh my first rpg was not dragon quest anything. It, it was Final Fantasy 4, but I thought it was Final Fantasy 2 at the time. But um, after playing that at a friend's house, I decided I needed to play more of these RPG things. But I had an NES and not a Super NES in, when this happened in, I don't know, in the 93, 94, 95 range. Uh, and so I went, to, um, I went to video stores, asked about RPGs, and was pointed, uh, for the NES, and was pointed to Final Fantasy 1 and the first four Dragon Quest games, all of which I never owned but rented multiple times. And of and of those uh, five games, I guess if you include FF1, I didn't beat any of them on the NES and was frankly uh, confused and sometimes unable to navigate them, uh, being, let's say, nine years old and not totally under... And, uh, and trying to play my first couple JRPGs. But the one I liked the most was Dragon uh, Warrior 4 
because it had sort of the most colorful characters and I was able to very clearly figure out what was happening, which was not the case, you know, accidentally playing someone else's save file in the middle of FF1. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. Yeah, We've uh, all been there. At least I have. Yeah, so, yeah. so I, I didn't beat any of them on the NES, but when I was emulating every JRPG under the sun in the early 2000s when I was a, teen, when I was a teenager, I decided, you know what, maybe I could revisit Dragon Quest because I, really li- I remember really liking 4 back in the day, and then, or I should, I should say I was still calling it Dragon Warrior then, and around then is when I was like, oh, there's a, it's Dragon Quest actually, and there's, no, and there's a bunch that didn't come out in the United States, and I, and I uh, emulated Dragon Warrior 4 on the NES and, and finally beat it, um, save states helped, and also played Dragon Quest 5 and 6 for the first time, almost back to back to back, and then right, like, when I was in the middle of doing all of that, uh, Dragon Quest 8 was on the horizon, and so, and I adored that the first time I played it, so I basically went from not finishing any Dragon Quest games in the early 2000s to beating, like, Seven of them in a row in 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 uh, in, wow. the, in in the early to mid two thousands. Managed to jump right back in as soon as they revived Dragon Warrior, Dragon Quest in the West. Then, huh? Yeah, basically. And mm-hmm. I, I I think mm-hmm. after I beat eight, I uh, I bought the Game Boy Color versions of one through three, and and that's how I beat those because I I uh, th- that seemed like a more attractive prospect to me than emulating yes. um, one, two, and three on the on the NES. It's an excellent choice. Yeah. <laughs> so. And then when I finished those, that's when this, the excellent run of DS Dragon Quest games started coming out. So, like, like the, the uh, say, the 03 to 2010 uh, run of me playing video games was a Dragon quest essence for me. And, but I, uh, and where I played, I played and replayed almost all of them that I could around that time. Um, for a long time, the one I didn't play was Dragon, oh, Dragon Warrior 7 because I, I was just... I, I I bought the uh, PS1 <laughs> version, but but found it so slow that I moved on to other games. <laughs> Intimidated, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I and I didn't beat that one until 2017 with the uh, 3DS version that came out. But back to Dragon uh, Warrior 4. It was the one that I was the most interested in when I was uh, renting them all in the NES, and the first one I actually finished when I started uh, uh, emulating and and messing around with uh, JRPGs on my computer. Around let's say 16 or 17 years ago um and and uh that's my story i'm sticking to it this is my third time playing dragon uh, quest 4 to completion hopefully because i finished it once on that emulator and then once on the ds release a little later um and and i was intending to play this on the mobile version because i thought that'd be a fun new twist to play it but uh part way through chapter one i decided that i hated the touch controls so much that i just went back to my ds version <laughs> it, it, it would have been better on an on, if i had a tablet um or, or if there was a Switch version, which there isn't. But on my small-ish uh, smartphone, it, it was not a great um, perspective. But how, how is everyone playing Dragon Quest, uh, Dragon Quest 4 this time around? So I am playing the mobile version of Dragon Quest 4. Um, yeah, I would agree with you on the controls. They're like not ideal, and as far as I'm aware, they're slightly different from 1 to 3, and I don't know about 5 and 6 on mobile or the rest of them. Um, they are a bit finicky. You can move the, like, so essentially it's like a wheel that you use and you point it in, like, eight different directions to move mm. the character around. Um, it takes a bit of getting used to, especially, like, if you're trying to enter, like, doors and stuff like that. The amount of times I've, like, nearly gone through a door and I'm like, <laughs> come on. Um, but, like, yeah, it, it's not ideal, but I, I've gotten pretty used to it pretty quickly because luckily, like, there's, there's nothing too complicated about this game, so it's not like I'm trying to navigate any ridiculous puzzles or anything like that yet, so... Yeah, so, I, I like it. And, like, generally, I think the key difference with um, uh, Dragon Quest Four is it's got party chat back in, which was taken out of the DS version. Is that yeah. correct? That is correct. Yes. And th- that's a puzzling choice. because a Party mm. chat, basically, I think uh, in Dragon Quest Five and Six on the DS, you press Y in, uh, when you're in town or uh, in, in, mo- in most parts of the game, and your party will comment on what's going on around you. And in Dragon Quest IV, with a, you know, uh, uh, like, eight really interesting, diverse party members with distinct personalities, that that actually sounds like a really fun thing to check out every every so often. But it was removed from the DS version, uh, from the North American and European DS versions, and I don't have, an, I don't have a great reason why. I mean, I, I guess resources? Yeah, sure. it's a, it have to yeah. Be. probably, yeah. It's a weird choice, like you said, because this is such a, like, the first half of the game is such a character-focused game, and, like, the person you're controlling is almost silent like the only time they ever speak is in party chat so it's like you're taking like alina's personality away from her or ryan's personality away from them like 
just by removing that feature. So yeah. Yeah, I, I'm also playing on mobile, and I agree. Um, like the only reason I'm playing on mobile is because I lost my copy of Dragon Quest IV um, for the DS. I can't find it because I moved recently. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the party chat stuff in the first four chapters. Like a lot of times when I check party chat, it's just like a bunch of dots, which is very common in Japanese RPGs. Um, <laughs> um, but otherwise, like, I, I, I got used to the controls eventually, um, but mm-hmm. other, it, it feels very much like the DS version. Right, yeah. I, I mean, I, I only played the beginning of the mobile version before deciding to switch, but, like, uh, the opening credits and the look of the game is almost indistinguishable from the DS version. Yeah, I'm playing the DS version at the moment. It's a fine version. I'm. Uh, yep. I, I I loved it uh, in 2008 when I first played it, and n- now those DS versions are getting a little bit hard to find now. Like uh, I think I think six- also very expensive. They're really yeah. expensive. Yeah. Mobile. <laughs> yep. I'd rather pay 15 pounds than 75 pounds just for a cartridge. <laughs> yeah. I, I think right. I think I was looking at prices for it, it was either five or six going for over 100 bucks on Amazon, which was which oh, wow. is crazy to me. I think it, it, uh, Dragon Quest V might be my most valuable DS game other than Pokemon. Pokemon Heart Gold, which is somehow incredibly yes. in demand now nowadays. Me too. Uh, yeah. Uh, and 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 uh, Wes, I think you haven't chimed in yet. Are, are you on yeah. um, Are you on mobile or DS or going hardcore um, <laughs> emulating the I, emulating the Japanese PS1 version? I briefly considered going really old school and going back to NES just for the old time's sake, but I'm playing a well loved copy of the DS version that stuck with me through a half dozen moves and thankfully <laughs> still works. Half dozen moves, few playthroughs from me, one or two from my my spouse, just uh, still survives. And you know, it's it's. I find that the party chat in in Dragon Quest, it's never as like this big, robust, event driven thing like you get like out of tail skits or something like that. But especially in this game, where all of your main party members are, you know, later become your actual party, it does feel rough to miss it. And occasionally during like Torneco's chapter, when a lot of times that party chat helps determine, you know, it tells you where to go next a little bit, gives you a little <laughs> guidance. Really missing that during those moments. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're not hugely impactful or, or dramatic, but they are, they're more like quips. But they're, they're yes. still, they're, they're uh, entertaining and, and add a little bit of flavor. And again, this is a flavorful cast that I wish we got more commentary from. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I guess let's dive into the story a little bit. Uh, the main character of chapter one is Ragnar McRyan, which is you know a very cute appropriation combining his NES name of Ragnar with his Japanese name of Ryan. Forget if it was uh, I think Alana, you're the one that said that chapter one is a bit is sort of teaching the player what an RPG is, <laughs> because like Dragon Quest one, this is a largely single character game that where basically Ragnar has to solve the mystery around one castle town and one smaller town. Um, and and learn the balance of going out and fighting until you run out of healing items, then then making it back to town to restock, then and getting better weapons, and then going out again. Um, <laughs> that that's a very comfortable loop to many of us probably. Um, but it all it revolves around uh, the children of the kingdom disappearing, uh, Rag, uh, Ragnar uncovering that they were captured by demons, and then rescuing the children. And I think it took me right around like an hour or maybe even fifty five minutes. It's it's pretty brisk. Yeah. Pretty much. You know what really struck me, you know, in the NES version before, you know, before all this, there's this little prologue in the DS and and mobile versions where you get like a brief introduction to the actual main character, mm-hmm. um, which didn't oh, exist yeah. in the NES version. Um, you jumped right into Ragnar. It had a little chapter heading, but that was about it. And the first time I played that NES version, I, I was a kid. I didn't know what the structure of this was. So I just assumed, oh, this is my silent main character that, I, that I'm playing as. <laughs> um, and the only thing that like tripped anything different was that up till this point, every single main character of a Dragon Quest game had been very blue in color palette. Hmm. You jump in with this bright pink soldier and you're like, oh, that's weird. They made a big change here. But um, until the end of the chapter, you almost don't really get a lot of hint at that point. Um, it's a lot harder to keep that kind of secret when you're dealing with older players now and, you know, the internet age. And, and weirdly, the art for the Dragon Quest three main character has a lot of ye- a sort of blue, yellow, and pink in their palette, in the, at least in their character art. But yeah. every uh, every sprite in Dragon Quest three has to be a two-color combination. So I, I think the hero is just blue and white, and like the and f- uh, fighters are just green and white. It's a it's 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 a little it's a little messy. <laughs> but um, uh, in, in Dragon Quest four. Each of these characters does have a distinct um, color palette, and Ry- and Ragnar McRyan's is a 
is a mightily pink suit of armor <laughs> with a with a with a red cape and a lustrous mustache. And if this if this game was like uh, was like Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, he would be leading the party in the mustache stat. Even though <laughs> even even though Torneco's would Torneco would have a pretty good mustache as well. Pink armor and Scottish is like two real big pluses, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, oh man, yeah. Ragnar is silent in his chapter, but everyone else in the ca- in the castle sure as hell isn't. And and I hope you can at least understand some of the cues of written Scottish. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was good at it, but then they said like tower in like this Tour, really yeah. thick accent, and I was like, wait, what word's that? And I'm like, hang on a minute, let me re- let me go back and see. Let me let me channel Leona for a second and see what I can do. I'm like, yeah, okay. It's the localization deep end to throw that in chapter one at you, too. Yeah, yeah really. <laughs> the localization of Dragon Quest has been really strong and, and full of personality since Dragon Quest VIII. And uh, I, I think in, in the Japanese versions, a lot of different towns will have, will have like, vocal cues or tics, but n- n- nothing like them uh, like using every European accent on the continent. <laughs> For uh, for different Dragon Quest games, uh, the worst one for it is Seven, where in the 3DS version of Seven, I had to I had to like Google certain terms just to figure out what language they were emulating. <laughs> I feel very powerful sometimes playing Dragon Quest because I'm like, yeah, I get all this. It's fine. It's just the accent I have to get. I, I think like Dragon it. Quest Four, playing it again like 13 years ago, is how I found out that Baron was uh, was slang for for a child in in Correct. Scots. Yep. Uh, I, I, it took I, me a little longer to get that. Yeah. Oh, if this is your first time playing, and 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 maybe you don't watch as much Scottish television as as Alana or Leona. <laughs> I don't watch any Scottish television. <laughs> yeah. I I have seen at least two seasons of or two series of Taskmaster with with one with one Scots uh, uh, okay, um, yeah. contestant. So that, that that's yeah. about as uh, about as deep mean, as I can yeah. go. <laughs> That's but, where all my knowledge comes from, too. I'm with you. But, uh, yeah, we, we deal with some uh, vaguely uh, Russian accents in Chapter 2, some Irish in Chapter 3. Uh, again, if, you go, if you're playing Dragon Warriors, uh, excuse me, Dragon Quest Seven's 3DS remake, you go into uh, a whole bunch more. The, the one that I couldn't figure out at the time ended up being Swedish. But, yeah, the localization of Dragon Quest, like, there's a lot of accents, a lot of quirks uh the <laughs> they use japanese automatopoeia for spell names so they tr- they're they're the english language version of that is frizz crack boom whoosh oh yeah <laughs> i love, those. I love <laughs> the spell names we'll forever love it i i uh, i mean i mean uh wes and zach you all three of us are old schoolers but i think i prefer frizz frizzle frizz to uh was it blaze blaze more blaze most I mean, they, My I, favorite I was totally hurt. knew what those things meant, though. <laughs> I, I liked Dragon or Dragon Warrior once, hurt mm-hmm. and hurt more. Those were really <laughs> evocative names. I, I, I think it was yeah. I think it was just hurt. I think it was just hurt, hurt more. And then you got heal and was, was maybe sleep. I don't remember. Oh, it wasn't a lot of spells. It, yeah. it, it's not a lot. And I think I think they added more in the uh, Game Boy Color version I played. But uh, all of us are playing uh, the DS version or later, so we, we're basically going to be working with the same language and same terms, but I apologize if I accidentally call, uh, like, Maya and Mina, Mara and Nara, uh, because <laughs> I, I did live with those names for, oh, about something like whatever the, the difference in time for me first playing the, the remakes was, let's say 20 years. But, uh, but, but they were able to... Um, Incorporate old weird localizations in the Rag- in Ragnar McRyan and Tornico Taloon in ways that I thought are are very clever and fun. But uh, I mean, we we talked about the accents in Ragnar's chapter, uh, and spoiler alert: he does save the children, or at least two of them, and uh, and live happily ever after and gain like five levels in a <laughs> row as a as a reward, which is a hell of a great reward. It's a long wait too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you just gotta sit there pressing A for a while because he's gaining so many levels at once. But uh, he's gonna put a kettle on. Gotta gotta hang out. But mm. the the gist of it is uh, is that there's a hero, a destined hero being born in the world, and the monster army knows that the hero is still a child, so they're going around and kidnapping or killing any any children they can find. And Ragnar decides I need to go out and save all the rest of the wee barons and find the and find the hero. And uh, he chapter one ends with him departing his kingdom. Uh, so, uh, we've talked about him a little bit already, but we have do we have any other final thoughts on Ragnar? 
I like the heel slime that joins the party. Yeah. Oh, healy. I mean, and and you kind of talked about Alana talking about this before, but, like, I think that, like, the heel slime is, like, key to the way that chapter works. I mean, assuming this is your first RPG, like, and this is your first chapter, like, it, it works really well because, like, I don't know, you you the healing happens for you and really all you have to do is hit. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. It feels like a perfect introduction to an RPG. Like if I was going to tell a person to play an RPG, I would tell them Dragon Quest Eleven. But if they had, <laughs> if they had some patience, like I feel like the Ragnar chapter is a really good choice. Well, that also kicks off a long and illustrious history of monsters joining your party in Dragon Quest, doesn't it? I think this is the first time in those first four games that you get a monster in your party, at least for a bit. Yeah. Pretty I think much, because so. Monster Recruiting's five, isn't it? So, yeah, that's yeah. where it really kicked into full swing. And uh, you, there's a lot of party members that can join you in Dragon Quest Three, but I'm pretty sure they're all human. Uh, there is a little baby dragon that joins your party later, but that's not three. One last thing. Uh, when Healy joins you, you still really only control and manipulate uh, Ragnar. You can have Healy heal, yeah. heal you in the in the menu, but he's uh, Healy is his or her own person. Um, in combat, and you don't control them directly, and that's maybe the biggest change from game in gameplay from original NES Dragon Quest Four to uh, modern systems that you can control your whole party. Because in mm-hmm. OG Dragon Quest Four, you only control the main character, uh, which is Ragnar in Chapter One, Alina in Chapter Two, etc. Uh, but in Chapter Five, you choose who's in your party once everyone once you have the whole gang together. But you still can only control the hero, which gives you to which gives you some. Truly meme-worthy yes. moments of uh, of Christo slash Cyril, uh, like uh, k- trying to cast Thwack and missing when his party me- is when his party members are dying around him. Um, it really affected party. Yeah. Yes, no. That's that's... Yeah, that's the Persona Three like Marin Karen nonsense, isn't it? Yep. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like Mitsuru. I don't want you to cast anything besides P- Mind Charge and Mabufudine. But why are you Marin Karening all over the battlefield? Yep. What the hell are you doing, homegirl? But okay. Anyway, wait, this is a this is that is a different um uh, first <laughs> game in a series to to reach European shores. Uh, my bad. But the the balance of the party is like drastically changed by being able to control them as a result. Like you oh, would yeah. never want Carol in your party, and yeah, in the but old Carol's days. like the best character in this game outside of Alina. Um, so powerful. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it... like he has great defense. He can equip. Uh, it's getting a little ahead of ourselves, but like the liquid metal sword. I mean, like his spells are excellent. But in the OG version, like, I would never have been caught dead with that dude in my party. (laughs) (laughs) He has the best best combination of skills and armor selection in the game other than the hero. But he was, like, like he was hamstrung by having just the most idiotic battle AI in the the NES version. And I'm not exaggerating with it. Uh, I mean, they're called Whack and Thwack now, but they were called Beat and Defeat. In, uh, yes. in on the NES version, and like you'd be fighting the final boss of the game, and uh, you like you'd have one party member dead and two party members critical, and he would still cast defeat. It's like, like it's like it's like, dude, like, this is my it, moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Motherland! No, absolutely not. But like, like it's. <laughs> It's um and in the NES version when I beat it like my my dedicated healer was uh, Nara slash Mina instead of or, uh, yeah yeah Nara slash Mina instead of instead of Christo slash Cyril because because of that AI but now uh, you can fully control your party members except for Healy uh, um but but you know Healy such a is such a good little slime that I I can't stay mad at them that's the big change being able to control everyone m- means that you feel much better about putting in uh. Boria, Mara, or uh, or uh, uh, Boria, M- Minya? No, no, Boria, Maya. Maya. That's right. Right. I'm going to be mixing gotcha. up names. I'm going to be mixing up names for the rest of my life. It turns out. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Boria, Maya, or or uh, or Cyril for the. Uh, or, or is it supposed to be Cyril or Carol? Because I'm I'm I think thinking it's Carol. I like I know it's supposed to be a Russian K. I'm thinking of it like a Greek K. I know that's wrong. <laughs> But I, I I just want to call him Cyril, so I'm just gonna keep getting names wrong for the rest of my video game playing. <laughs> There's right no voice life. acting. You're you're golden. <laughs> you should hear me uh, chat when I'm playing Monster Hunter with my best friend. Like I think uh, like he and I are both thirty are both thirty six. So wait, no, not thirty five. Whoops, I can't even remember my own age. He and I, yeah, <laughs> he and I I'm older yeah. than you, and I'm not thirty six yet. Yeah, yeah. He and Stop. I are bo- he and I are both thirty five, and most of our chats is trying to remember the name of the monster we are fighting at that moment. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, back to chat, back to um, Dragon Quest names, I guess. The, the change in being able to control your whole party is huge, and especially huge in Chapter 2, because you have three party members almost from the very beginning, with maybe the greatest female character of the NES era, uh, Elena, the princess of Zamoska. Uh, like, like, oh. Your, best. your first impression Stop of it, Wes. Stop. Your, your first impression <laughs> your first impression of this perfect character is princess why aren't you being enough of a princess and then her like kicking down the wall of her room to go on an adventure <laughs> not the first time she kicks down a wall door or what have you in the game Excellent. if if she somehow teamed up with dogi from east for an entire rpg <laughs> no oh no God. wall no wall would be safe it would just it would just be a, a wall a wall crushing game start to finish i'd play that and yeah. both both of them are used to hanging out with silent protagonists of destiny that's true <laughs> But uh, Elena's chapter is her um, leaving her uh, castle, des- desiring to go on an adventure, and her uh, um, one of the castle's um, priests, uh, Kirill, and and her tutor, Boria, de- like insists on accompanying her, which is good because uh, Kirill and Boria are very, very capable um, Dragon Quest IV versions of Dragon Quest III priest and mage jobs. <laughs> Yes. And, and I should mention, like uh, th- this is true of uh, Dragon Quest Four and Dragon Quest Eleven. Each char- main character is basically an approximation of one of the Dragon Quest Three jobs. Um, Hero, obviously, and uh, Ragnar is a soldier slash warrior. Uh, Elena is a uh, martial art artist slash fighter. And I, we, I just mentioned Kirill and Boria, but you have a pretty solid trio for uh, Elena's run of adventure, which involves. Um, uh, thwarting human sacrifice and a kidnapping, and uh, and winning a tournament and saving her father and winning a tournament in maybe less than twenty four hours of of game time. A, a startling amount she, of adventure for just like an hour and a half long chapter. She keeps herself busy. Yeah. She got drafted by West before me in a certain draft. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm going to hear about this every podcast from now until eternity. I, I drafted. I drafted. That is correct, sir. <laughs> I drafted someone else from Dragon Quest Four in uh, in my run, and I think I I stole him from under your nose as well, Zach. Yeah, we, we're not talking about we'll, that. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about. We'll, we'll, we'll negotiate that later. Um, It'll come up again. I'm sure. <laughs> Back to Dragon Quest Four. Um, chapter two is uh, sort of. Like if if Ragnar's chapter was an was an approximation of Dragon Quest One with really one important character, Dragon Quest Two is the analog for Chapter Two of Dragon Quest Four because you have a party of three and you're sort of learning the party dynamics. The boss fights are more complicated. I actually died against the first boss of Chapter Two because I just strolled into that church thinking I could beat them at cha- at level two with no with with like with no, no problem with no nope. spells other than the starting ones but no like you're intended to grind a little bit figure out uh you know, the skills of your new characters and then use combinations of like heal crack and uh and uh and sap to defeat that first boss at the at the human sacrifice uh village in the north yeah i mean like the the party I, composition is even the same right yeah like you have like fighter who's like sort of like your main character who has no spells um the main character in dragon quest 2 who didn't get drafted by the way um is very powerful and he's the only useful game in dragon quest 2 the og version at least uh but you have a priest and you have a mage i mean i get the same idea i I mean i think that uh, one of the things that i find really fascinating about this game is the ways in which even in like I, i know like we think of like all of these games as like ancient history right um like they're like the beginning of the genre um, but like they're calling back to different elements of what Dragon Quest is in yes. really interesting ways, um, and I think that like the the split of this party is like what RPGs are, right? Like it's like you have you have your fighter, you have your healer, you have your mage, and there's no tank there, but like Kirill or Alina kind of qualify, um, and, and just that the ways in which like. It acknowledges the way in which Dragon Quest codified what an RPG is, but also the ways in which this game acknowledges that. Like, the chapter system, I think... And it's funny, because coming off of Suikoden 3, where I complained about the chapter system, (laughs) um, here, I think it actually works much more brilliantly and much more simply, really. You know, one of my favorite moments in Dragon Quest games in general is that first moment where you have to set out and you have to like you're you're weak. You have to go and get the money for your first copper sword and you have to buy like the better armor and you kind of have to do that grind that 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 Michael was talking about where you you go and you 
you go as far as you can until you're too low on hit points and herbs and you, and you circle back and you get four distinct versions of that grind uh, in Dragon Quest 4 which is one of the reasons I loved it back on the NES was it was like four brand new games starting up right at the beginning you get four mini games to uh, give greater context to your party before starting the quote unquote real game in chapter 5 and um, and, and the, all the four, those four vignettes feel so different from each other, not just because they have different main characters, but like you're playing a different kind of game each time, like, like Zach yes. mentioned, because Chapter 3 is, is not the, so, the solo party of Dragon Quest 1 or the three-person party of Dragon Quest 2. You're, you're almost a behind-the-scenes person. person. You're, uh, you're a, a town NPC breaking free of, his, breaking free of the cycle of being, of being the weapon shop merchant. <laughs> Engaging capitalism at its best, yes. <laughs> a rogue capitalist separating himself from the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> with, 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 he, he took the red pill. <laughs> yeah, with, 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 I think, safely the, um, the second or third best mustache of the game. Um, not, not quite at the level of, of Ragnar, definitely competing with Borea for, uh, for Dragon Quest IV facial hair. <laughs> um, the the, the Tornico Taloon chapter, I went into this game, I mentioned this a little bit before we recorded, I went into this game, um, like, again, I've played it before, but it's been more than 12 years, so there's parts of it I, I only vaguely remember, or, uh, I, forgetting that he was supposed to go on his own adventure, I just did a, did cycles of him working at the weapon shop for, <laughs> like, at least 45 minutes, it, like, like, way too mm-hmm. long, way too long, I, I, I had, I had some, I had a, I think I was listening to a podcast at the same time, so I, it wasn't like I was, you know, just, like staring bloodshot eyed into my into my DS for a, for a whole night, but um, y- yeah, y- it's it's a little bit more complicated than working at the weapon shop until you have two thousand gold. <laughs> yeah, I guess like still though, like the other two chapters have still been building up to this because a lot of the time you do need to talk to characters um, to figure out where you're going next or what to do next. Like in chapter one, you have to go back and forth, don't you, between the two towns to find out that oh, you know, someone's husband's missing and then you find out he's in prison and then you go back and talk to the wife and take her back to her partner um, to save him and I think you do something similar in Alina's chapter or at least you have to talk to someone in particular um, and then go back and forth but yeah yeah you yeah. have to um, when there's an imposter princess uh, trying to masquerade yeah she's masquerading as Elena to get attention um, after you um, thwart a, uh, the human sacrifice and you have to uh, she gets abducted. You find out by talking around town that the uh, that the the ransom note was t- telling you to go to the graveyard at night. Then you go there. Then you uh, get uh, you have to exchange her um, ransom for a a special item that's out of, that's in a cave outside of town. And mm. and basically there is event flagging in this game that is typical of NES RPGs at the time or or just early JRPGs in general. But it's I don't think any of it's that unfair. Uh, you you no. can you can figure out most of it by. Uh, by just talking to a lot of people in town. Uh, no, and I think Torneco's character is the first one where it's like, here you go, off you go. Not only are you on your yeah. own, you're doing something yeah. yes. entirely different. Um, you mentioned the day and night cycle system. This is the first Dragon Quest game that has the day and night cycle. Is that right? No, it, it's, or, in, it's in Dragon Quest 3. Well, it's in Dragon ooh. Quest... Uh, it, I, it's, I definitely remember in Dragon Quest 3 you had to... Uh, uh, do certain events only at night. But yeah, you're right. Uh, in, it might have been earlier than Dragon Quest Three, but I definitely remember uh, some plot events having needing to happen okay. at night in DQ Three. Okay, cool. It, it might be older than that, though. Was there, was there a day and night cycle in one or two? I don't there, believe so in two. There was at least. It might be one of the newer version things, but I played the the Switch version of two, which uh, was a decision that I certainly made with my life. Uh, and it it does yeah. have a day and night cycle, but it's not important to the the actual flow of the game. Okay. Um, it just makes enemies stronger uh, on the overworld at night. And maybe and maybe like zombies are more likely to show or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because because undead and demons, they can be some real bad uh, mother lovers in Dragon in old school Dragon <laughs> Quest games. <laughs> I, I had to run away from some fights in Dragon Quest IV because I, I was like I was just trying to walk to Endor. It's like I don't know if I can handle two skeletons, three restless armors, and a heel slime. I, I, I this is mm, I don't know. Like uh, Kirill might run out of HP before I can properly deal with these. Again, I got in just the first two chapters. I got well, no in just chapter two. I got I think two game overs because I was I just got way too ambitious with, with what I thought I could accomplish. Yeah, I mean, like, luckily, inns and medicine herbs are really cheap. Like, I oh, don't yeah. 
yeah, like consistently through Dragon Quest, like everything feels fairly affordable. Like I never feel like I'm scrambling for anything, even if I have to grind for a little bit. Like it's not oh, never it's, a pain. It, it, it's total hubris why I died every time I did. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. Don't worry. No, I think yeah. you can push a little further. Yeah, yeah. it's like, like, I'm, like I've played all the Dragon Quest games. I can totally handle this cave to the armlet <laughs> of transmutation. It's like, and then like, oh, now these are seven bats that won't let me run away from them. Great. Oh. The bats, the bats in... Um, oh god, the fourth chapter. Oh my god, in the cave, you know. With, yeah, I'm they're a trial. Like, yeah, in the mines, they're a pain in the butt. But uh, chapter three, uh, staying to the present a little bit, you, uh, you you basically work at a weapon shop. You um, by talking around town, you find a, a rumor of a lockbox that you can find. Uh, is, is it called the, the iron box or something in this game? I forget. Uh, it's called the Steel Strongbox. Steel Strongbox, that's what it is. And and, uh, and that's an item that lets you not lose money if you die, uh, which I discovered in Chapter 2 a couple times, that they do the, <laughs> the that Pokemon completely cribbed from Dragon Quest, uh, that if you die, you go back to the nearest town and, with, and lose half your money. But, and, and uh, Tornico gets the, like, I think they communicate to you a, just how boring the drudgery life, like, like the life of being a wage slave is, and, and sort of encourage... And, and and Tornico has this very sweet wife and son that care about him. And if you're uh, smarter than me and realize that there's something you're supposed to be doing besides going to the sh- item shop every day or weapon shop every day, you can sort of like Tornico through the player gets the idea to set out on his own, find the steel strong box, and then uh, and then sort of start doing you know Dragon Quest stuff on in his corner of the world. Eventually, that leads him to the uh, to a new kingdom. Is, is it is it uh, is it Bali Morale or Ballmoral. There's Bally Morale, and then you have to go to Endor as well eventually, don't you? Yes. So, yeah. Right. But yeah, like, he's doing, like, the things that essentially, like, put him on the map, because he has to, like, arrange for the bridge to be fixed, doesn't he? He has to yeah. fix, uh, get the, um, provide money to someone to build a cave which connects two of the different areas, so, yeah. And those bridges, you see them broken in Chapter 2, in, uh, yeah. mm, in, uh, in, in, in Elena's chapters. And minor spoilers, you will navigate those bridges and that tunnel in Chapter 5 when, you're, uh, when your party comes together. Um, there's, the, the foreshadowing is very strong in this game. And, but uh, like, I, I think um, Tornigo's chapters, like, once you sort of figure out what to do, they're pretty sweet because uh, you, you're trying to find ways of amassing money quickly, and you can do that by opening up your own shop in Valley Morale and having your wife... Uh, do some truly ruthless business uh, <laughs> because yeah. Yeah, she she's is, the real she's the real star of this chapter. Honestly. She is better at making money than any character in any RPG I've ever heard of, and that and that and that includes <laughs> yeah. Ichiban Kasuga. Can literally buy something at cost, and she's going to sell it for more. Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy how talented your wife is uh, uh, in in chapter three of Dragon Quest Four, but. Uh, basically, as, as, um, getting enough money and collecting enough weapons for a delivery to the king that allows you to sort of go on a money-making expedition, and uh, and that is roughly the end of chapter three, or I, at least how I remember chapter three ending, because I'm in the middle of it right now. Is yeah, that, that um, basically it. Um, the cave is the last thing you have to do, isn't right. it? Okay. Oh, right, the cave for you. Yeah. Um, but it's important. Like you can hide. Like there's a part in that game where you get to Endor, and it's like you get your shop. And it's like, oh, you have to make, what is it? Uh, you have to sell six steel broadswords and six iron armor. You have to have them and then give them to the king, yeah. yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. That's a good way to make money. And it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> the best, the best mean, way like, to drop right around there is, like, pretty good on those things. But, yeah. like, yeah, if you just, like, even if you get, like, one broadsword, that's, like, enough to, like, go sell it through your wife, who, as yeah. so accurately pointed out, is a ruthless business person. Mm. I wish um, I'd done that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, the best way to make money is to, like, do a little bit of questing around, and there's a couple, like, optional treasure chests that give you a lot of money. Uh, yeah. Like, 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 go around and find a couple of those, and then use your, your wife's, uh, like, capitalism magic to, uh, um, to, to make that money <laughs> balloon until you, have, until you have money for the, uh, for the steel swords and iron armor that you need. But yeah, it's, I, w- uh, I wish I'd done that. Yeah, I, w- I did it. I did it with selling the weapons to the person in the castle because I don't know. I just didn't. Re- I didn't really think about using my wife, which was a really bad decision. Uh, 
Yeah. And and Zach, I think you and I both know that uh, the makers of Yakuza enjoy Dragon Quest, and I think that we just discovered yep. exactly how they came up with the business sim minigame idea. That's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're not there wrong. You're not yeah. wrong, my friend. It all I mean, comes like, back it, it, to Yakuza and Dragon <laughs> Quest for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I mean, like, the thing that I think is fascinating about this chapter um, is just how, like, many different, as we were talking about, like, how many different ways you can approach it. Like, I remember playing this as a kid. Like, I didn't understand that I could do any of that. Um, and so, like, I just went out and fought, like, fights for, like, hours <laughs> yeah. um, to build up my get my gold and, like, get, like, the items. And, like, I had, like, six steel broadswords. And then I was like, okay, now I have enough money to go buy the armors that I need. Um, but, like, just, like, a little bit of understanding of, like, the way that the system works makes it go so much faster. Um, and, I, and I know that NES RPGs and even, like, NES Zelda... Um, is known for, like, being non-linear. But, like, it's, like, if you compare it to, like, Chapter 1 and 2, it, it's so much more non-linear than those. And, like, there's so many different ways you can approach it and so many different ways. Like, it feels, like, the most true to an NES RPG in some ways, but also, like, the most forward-looking. Because, like, what game was doing this? Like, like you selling stuff at and, the and- time. Like, I can't think of one. And I mean, I mean, like manipulating your wife's shop is the best way to earn money in Chapter Three. But you can also hire mercenaries when you go out on these expeditions to different, yeah. different caves. Um, and Tornico doesn't play like any of the other characters. I mean, he represents the merchant job from Dragon Quest Three, which was sadly uh, not really in Dragon Quest Eleven. You, you have a merchant buddy, but not not a proper merchant party member in that game. Um, and like, like and a lot of his skills are things like uh, like analyzing enemy stats or doing silly tricks. That, that that would have been either the merchant or the goof off job in Dragon Quest three, and like I think that that you learned RPG lessons from the first two chapters, and this RPG lesson is how to make a lot of money and what goes on when you're what you can do besides just doing the regular quest and and sort of have forcing you to learn Torneko a little bit, who's an unconventional party member. It's it's it, it's yeah. so different from the first two chapters. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could also sell armor at, like, the castle in, I don't know, whatever that Kingdom of Source of the Bee is, um, sure. like, for more money there, too. I yeah. mean, because, like, they're desperate for it. So you'd also make money that way. Like, there's, like, like four different ways you can approach almost everything in this game um, or in this chapter, and I just think it's so cool. I mean, Balmoral is is trying to arm themselves for war against Endor, but uh, you can discover you discover that the Prince of Balmoral is in lo- and the Princess of Endor are in love with each other. Uh, so... By playing matchmaker a little bit, you get to um, you get to stop the war with you know kisses, which is exactly what I love in an RPG. <laughs> um, and and also the princess of Endor is the person that was whose marriage was up for grabs in the tournament that Elena fought in. So mm-hmm. like it, so that there's a that's the other through line from chapter two to three. The chapters feed together in this really interesting way where you hear rumors in one chapter that are the main focus in another chapter. Oh, or... there's there's one rumored character that you keep hearing about that yes. is, is yep. so important later, but we'll get to him near the end of this episode, I think. <laughs> um, in, in chapter four, which again, I haven't played yet, so my, I'm working on like ghosts of a memory from 13 years ago now, uh, where uh, um, the, the two twin sisters, um, Mina and Maya, are uh, living a bit of a hard life. Their uh, their father uh, died under tragic circumstances, and they're trying to escape a like a uh, a life of um, slavery or confinement. Right? Yes. They're trying to avenge the father's death. I mean, like, they're dancers, and like, it's not. I mean, like the person who's in charge of them is not like okay. Yeah. Like, like yeah. it's not it's not Dragon Quest Five. Let's put it that way. Like, right, right. I was, like, I was, I was, I was totally maybe supportive as they leave. I was conflating, you know, the dancers of this game with the dancer in Octopath Traveler. Maybe <laughs> that's my bad. Oh, mm. Primrose. <laughs> like, uh, eventually, they um they met. They're looking to avenge their father's death, uh, who was killed, and he was killed by a demon named Balzac, and uh, they team up with uh, this master lock picker escape through a mine, and then track down Balzac. Right? Right? Am I remembering this? It's a bit more than that, yeah. So they go down... I I definitely um, skipped some steps. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So uh, they they find, in the bottom of a cave, they find Ujam, who is um, uh, their father's friend, and he's the one... uh, They end up going to this port town, and then they have to... um, The chancellor of that town... Like will only leave his room. Like the king's like missing, isn't he, or something? And the chancellor will only leave his room if you make a loud noise. So you have to go to the mine. The mine is like overrun, and there's smoke coming out of it. And you have to get a powder keg and blow that up to scare the chancellor and go see the king. And 
lo and behold, Balzac's in there somewhere. So, yeah. And then you have to run away and you get on a ship and escape. It's got this this interesting little through line that it's just hinting at the main plot of, mm-hmm. of the game itself. That, you know, Balzac was an a- alchemist and he could never turn lead into gold, but he uncovered this, this secret to evolution. Um, that that isn't really delved deep into in the chapter, but it's spoken with enough reverence that you get the impression, oh, this is this is what the villains are really after, and this is why everything went down was you know a side effect of of his alchemical research. Yeah, it's the first time you really feel like the overarching plot's coming in. Definitely. Well, I mean, you see hints of what's going on of the larger like world threatening demon army at a, at different points. Like you mentioned, yeah, yeah. It, there's the children being kidnapped in or killed in chapter one. The uh, there's. Uh, there's mention of a of like the strongest person that anyone's ever seen is is in the tournament at Endor in chapter two, a person named named Sorrow, uh, mm-hmm. that who ends up not fighting in the tournament. So, uh, but 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 it's hinted at just being an incredibly powerful person. And then in um in in Tornico's chapter, there's hints of the there's a like a planned or ramping civil war between Balmor Balmoral and Endor. But I, they I think part of why they so easily um enter a ceasefire is because of a le- of a loom of a looming threat from the demon army right or at least there's mention of the demon army building when you talk around the castle uh i don't remember that particular thing but it's possible i could the, misremember the ceasefire between the two kingdoms between Bal- balimoral and endor um they only stop because they get married don't they yeah i guess i, I guess so i'm, I'm yeah i'm, I'm mis- I, I think i'm making a mistake but a different king um elena's father at the very end of chapter two, when you return, uh, when, when you turn to her town, having won the tournament, um, every person in the castle has disappeared, and that's and that happens right after uh, her father tells her of a dream that he had about a about a, uh, um, a, yes. a about like a child and a demon lord. Yeah, I mean more like directly. Like I, I didn't mean to like erase like the fact that it had been drip fed to us before, especially with sorrow being mentioned in chapter mm. two. I think more like that this is the first time it's like directly involving the characters who are central to the story. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. This game does foreshadowing very well, but what? But mm. the events of chapter four are much more direct and immediate than than the foreshadowing in the previous three chapters. Yeah, Jonas makes sense because I'm pretty sure they're the two characters that join you first. Yeah, they, they yep. um, chapter they, five. Um, yep, they, so, yeah. uh, the characters join in the reverse order of introduction. So it's a uh, it's a uh, it's Mina and Maya first, then Tornico, then Elena's crew, and then Ragnar is the final normal party member. Then uh, maybe some stuff uh, happens after Ragnar. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's a hell of a cast. Uh, it's uh, I'm trying to make sure I'm counting correctly. It's yeah. It's it's eight main characters that are all on that are all on this cover, and they are different ages, shapes, and sizes and sexes. And this is one of the best, most diverse casts in early RPGs. I I, I feel like uh, what kind of motley crew did you have before this game in in JRPGs? Like like whatever was going on in FF2. <laughs> maybe Pretty one much. of the earlier fantasy stalls, probably. Oh yeah, maybe. Is, is... Yeah. I mean, I think Fantasy Star Two comes out after this one, right? Yeah. Fantasy Star oh. One was was Master System is definitely yeah. before this, but I'm not I'm not sure. I I do not know nearly enough about the release uh, schedule of Fantasy Star to properly know it. Fantasy Star Two is 1989, so yeah. no. There we go. I'm wrong. Yeah. Oh. That doesn't diminish the point that this cast is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, no, they're, they're a very colorful bunch. Colorful. <laughs> yeah, and not just because on the old NES sprites, they each had to be a different color or at least a different shape just to, <laughs> just to distinguish them. Because, I mean, those old boxy sprites on the NES were a little rough to deal with. And in the NES, it seems like, you know, storytelling was always a little more abbreviated. You had to fit only so much text into a cartridge. Mm -hmm. Uh, So getting that time with each of those parties, so even if they're not directly telling you who they are, you're getting that feeling as you play as them. Uh, It it helps to really flesh out the characters before you actually pull them all together in a way that I don't know had been done before and wouldn't be done much again for, for some time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really good way of contextualizing the story as well within the game. Like, rather than having like this wall of text that tells you, like, you know, y- just this year the king was murdered by something, blah 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 blah, kind of thing. You've <laughs> actually got like first-hand experience of what is the seeds being planted around this world, and um, 
correct me if I'm wrong, this is technically the first game of what is now called the Sadithian trilogy, right? Yeah. So, yes, like, correct. it's unrelated mm-hmm. yes. to... So 1, 2, and 3 are, like, connected in a way because of the hero Erdrick, obviously. And then you've got these three games on the NES and the Super Nintendo that were all Sadithian. So, yeah. I'm and I, and to see how that plays in. And I think it's always interesting, because, like, to me, like, Dragon Quest three. Um, like sort of perfects a lot of the elements of what it is to be like an NES RPG. Mm-hmm. Um, like you have like all this choice about mechanics and things like that. And like story is like sort of like over here. And like there's some cool stuff, obviously, at the end of Dragon Quest or Dragon Warrior 3. Um, but like Dragon Quest 4 and Fantasy Star 2 to some degree, like um, because it came before, obviously, like they, they, they start like this idea that like story matters a lot in RPGs. And obviously Final Fantasy IV is the one that really kind of codifies that. But like I think that like this game is important for that reason. Like this idea of like story is significant, characters are significant. They're not totally fleshed out here because like obviously they're they're silent. And in the original version, like it's not like there's party chat in the original mm-hmm. version. Um, but like the idea that story is something to focus on and something to think about feels kind of unique in this version, which is what I I feel like this is like sort of the progenitor of like a lot of SNES RPGs. And I mean, to a degree, a lot of characters with medium or large casts in, R- in RPGs can be kind of set it and forget it. E- even even later Dragon Quest games, like how much can you tell me about Nevin and Amos, right? Who? Right. <laughs> yeah, ne- ne- Nevin joins as part of the story, and I think Amos might be an optional character. But the uh, but le- like uh, you being able to play the backstory of your seven supporting characters but, uh, before meeting them as the main character fleshes them out so much in I, 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 in a way that I think still feels cool. Like playing this game mm-hmm. in 2021, it's like, oh, I, I'm, I'm playing these uh, Dragon Quest games are very, very often organized in v- vignettes or small quests, like b- building the puzzle of the larger quest. And in, in Dragon Quest IV, uh, the early vignettes are introducing your characters to the player. And I think that's... That's really good. Like it, it, it feels like a good idea that works. Thirty years later, that's crazy town. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's this little serotonin hit you get too. Like seeing all these things happen, seeing these characters. The first time you see that character mentioned in someone else's story, that ooh, ooh, ooh I know that. That excitement yeah. of uh, the 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 Leo meme, you know, pointing at the TV. That excitement, like, is present. Like even today, playing it today. I, I mean. I've used this metaphor before, but like Dragon Quest games feel like you're assembling a puzzle or that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, in in part because it's so good at foreshadowing and references and tying up loose ends in a way that I, I always find satisfying. Like, like when, when you see... When when you see things that were hinted at occur, or uh, or or something that you like were anticipating just lands really satisfyingly is 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 so fulfilling. Like and uh, and Dragon Quest Four does a really good job of that. Uh, but um, Audra, I think you're a little further away uh, than a lot of us because you're at least part way through Chapter Five. Um, and and this is your first time playing the game. Um, do you have a specific idea or specific expectation of something that you think might happen later? Not really. I'm just kind of along for the ride at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, Alana, same question to you. I mean, I mean, uh, you you've played many Dragon Quest games. This is, but this is your first time playing four. Uh, you're, I think you're in chapter five now as well. You, you uh, told me before we started recording. Do you have any kind of idea or expectation for something happening later in this game? I mean, I guess this sorrow person is someone to look out for, aren't they? So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I'm, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, I, I am a little bit into chapter five, so I know the initial beginnings of what happens. Obviously, we're going to get our hero, and we are going to go on an adventure, typical Dragon Quest style. So, I'm assuming I'm going to be leaving my village under terrible circumstances, or maybe good circumstances, because sometimes you do in Dragon Quest games. And then, um. <laughs> You yeah, I know, I, know, I, know correct, I know the correct answer. Don't worry, I've I've already got past that bit. And, uh, yeah, that, that yeah. happens. That happens really early in chapter five. It's literally like the second thing that happens. So yeah, you give a you give your dad a fish, and then oh dear. <laughs> That sounds like a good metaphor for life. Now, uh, <laughs> what, one last one last question. We could save this for the next episode, but I want to talk about it now. Um, I uh, played as the male Dragon Quest hero when I played this game 13 years ago, so I'm go- obviously went f- with the lady this time. How about her hair? That yes. that awesome I love her hair. That amazing yeah. mane of green hair is something else. 
there, there's a lot of things talking to me in this game. Like, there is a character called Alina, which has one letter different from my name. There's a girl with curly hair, and I have curly hair, and green is my favorite color. So, you know, not saying anything, but Dragon Quest IV is, like, appealing to me in many different ways. <laughs> I miss days where you could pick between a male or female main character in Dragon Quest because it's it, it it feels like such a fun choice or a fun option in Dragon Quest three, four, and nine. That uh, yeah, or even just design your own character. I yeah. suppose. like yeah, that would be so cool. I mean, you, you can in nine, can't you? If I remember. Oh yeah, you, you can yeah, fully yeah, design you can the whole party. Your own party. Yep. Yeah, the, the sort of um. Uh, the sort of canon female Dragon Quest IX main character has a sort of short pink hair, but uh, you can completely design uh, he, him or her up uh, to your to your specifications. Yeah, the the design of of the female protagonist in Dragon Quest IV is just one of my all time favorite hero designs in Dragon Quest history. Yeah, the, the, the half leotard, the shoulder pad, um, the, oh. the, the, the the circlet, uh, the hair is my favorite part. But it's a uh, it, it 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 is pretty unique and pretty excellent. I love her. So, Lucy, we've talked a lot about how much we enjoy Toriyama's designs for female characters, mm -hmm. like, in particular, and, like, I think she's, like, right up there. He, so, yeah. Toriyama is so good at designing tough girls that I, yeah. I like, like, especially uh, Jade in 11, Ira in 7, um, uh, Red. The, the female uh. main characters, Red from 8, uh... Oh, they're, they're, uh, I would I would say Bianca and five like like Toriyama's female character designs yeah, in in <laughs> I could, I, I'm gonna, gonna pretend <laughs> gonna pretend you didn't you di I'm gonna pretend I didn't hear that. Um, <laughs> my mother's name is Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. See, <laughs> uh, although uh, amusingly, uh, maybe I said this on the podcast years ago, but when I um when I played Dragon Quest Five uh, for, on the DS for the first time, I I did pick Deborah because she was the one I hadn't uh, picked before, and I named the uh the, the two and I, and again I had played Dragon Quest Five before a couple times, so I I had the nuclear family in Dragon Quest Five named after my parents, myself, and my sister. Um, Aww, in, uh, that's so adorable. Yeah, in, uh, in in Dragon Quest Five. Although although I think I, just to make it a little bit different, I had the kids be Miguel and Marie instead of Michael and Mary. Um, your, be your best friend on Dragon Quest Five confirmed. <laughs> you know, I wish I could say no just to continue my anti Deborah stance, but I think that was <laughs> my, my best Dragon Quest Five run. <laughs> got Bjorn that time, huh? Uh, you know, I got I got Bjorn and Starkers, and I recruited a Archdemon and a Great Dragon. It was a it was a real good time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, don't talk about Great Dragons. Ugh. No, please don't. <laughs> I mean, I just I just raised the level cap of my Great Dragon in Dragon Quest Tact a day or two ago. So that's a nice. Oh boy. Okay, now if I'm talking about the Dragon Quest Gacha RPG, maybe it's definitely time to end the episode. Um, <laughs> uh, play, uh, listeners, play Dragon Quest Four. Maybe don't play Dragon Quest Tact. Just throwing that out there. But I'm also throwing out there that uh, this is not the end of Dragon Quest IV discussion on this podcast. Next week we're doing part two of our Dragon Quest IV miniseries. Uh, and then later this month, uh, uh, yet another Dragon Quest episode. But I don't want to share exactly what it's about yet. It will be about a certain villain from a certain Dragon Quest game. Okay, maybe you can figure it out from that alone. But uh, There's that, some options. There are options, but there's one best option. And that will be the topic of discussion for in, uh, in the last week of May on Retro Encounter. But uh, after May and Retro Encounter, we have um, all of June planned out. We are doing two episodes on Nights in the Nightmare, which is a uh, Sting Department Heaven game. The only game in that series of which I've played is Riviera the Promised Land. Uh, and Nights of the Night in the Nightmare is a really unique, really unusual RPG. And we have some very excited uh, Nights in the Nightmare fans to uh, uh, ready to discuss that game in June. But before we get to Nights in the Nightmare, I think we're going to do an episode um, to make two episodes to make us feel some feelings because we're doing two uh, <laughs> one episode on Near Replicant, which had a recent remake. Thank uh. you, thank you very much for your excellent uh, written and and video review of that game, Alana, yes. from, a few, from a few weeks ago. No problem. Please and, go read it and check out the video. Yes. Uh, uh, I agree. And also I agree that if you want to feel some feelings in Final Fantasy fourteen, you could uh, play that Shadowbringers expansion. We are doing our final FF14 episode in uh, in June. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to be the first or second week yet, but it's going to be all about Shadowbringers. And Shadowbringers is my favorite part of FF14's story, so I will be real jazzed to discuss that in a couple weeks. So uh, coming in June, Near Replicant, FF14 Shadowbringers, Nights in the Nightmare. 
Uh, and if you want to um, email us to discuss Dragon Quest or those four things or anything else at all, the best way to get in contact is to email retro at rpgfan.com. You can also visit rpgfan.com's message boards, our uh, selection of, of many fine articles and reviews, or our Facebook pa- page, our Instagram, our Twitter, our Discord, our YouTubes, our, our Twitch channel, something streaming every day on that Twitch channel. And uh, Retro Encounter is only one of four podcasts on RPG Fan, the others of which being Random Encounter, every two weeks about randomness, Rhythm Encounter, usually every two weeks about RPG music, and Phoenix Edge, usually every week about a variety of topics, mostly current events. But you can review Retro Encounter or those other three podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, however you are listening to us. Please listen. Please provide feedback. We love listeners. We love feedback. And we also would love for you to reach out to us individually uh, but only exactly how we want you to. So <laughs> let's share social media that we're willing to share, starting with you, Alana. Uh, best place to find me is on Twitter, at, at Alana Hagues, or you can find me on the RPG Fan Discord as Alana. Now, Zach. Uh, you can find me on Discord at ZachW, and you can also email me at ZachW at RPGFan.com. Now, Audra, hit me. Um, you can hit... Hit me up, I guess. Uh, um, Audra B at RPGFan.com for email. I'm so jealous that Audra has managed to stay off Twitter the, uh, all of these years because the more I'm on Twitter, the less I want. I wish I was on Twitter. <laughs> Correct. Correct response. And Wes, how can listeners find you? Uh, you can join me on the Twitter nightmare site, at Wes Iliff. Uh, <laughs> no promises you'll find much of value, but you're, you're welcome to join me. And if you definitely want to find nothing of value on Twitter, you can find me. I am at the Real Monsoon most of the time, at Evoker for Dogs other times, and on RPG Fans Discord, I am at Monsoon Mike. We still have plenty of Dragon Questing to do the rest of this month, and it will be all about Chapter 5, all about Hero versus Sorrow in uh, next week. Thank you, good night, and good luck. (laughs) 